Welcome back to The Law. I am E.K. Williams, and this is episode 14. We're going to talk about the National Collegiate Athletic Association versus Jerry Tarkanian. That's right, we're going to talk some college sports, basketball in particular with this case, and what former Oklahoma linebacker, football player, called the National Communist Athletic Association. As always, The Law with D.K. Williams is brought to you by the Launchpad Media Network, always launching ideas in your direction. Find us at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And remember to follow me on Twitter, at BlueCarp, and on Facebook.com slash BlueCarp. We can continue the discussion there. Let me know what you think. Or if you have any comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. And please share this far and wide if you're so inclined. So the Supreme Court decided this case, NCAA versus Tarkanian, my senior year in college at University of North Carolina in 1988. I graduated in the spring of 89. So I'm a fan of college hoops. Saw the very first game in the Smith Center. It was Carolina versus Duke. Uh, both were ranked in the top five. Carolina won that first game, so that was pretty cool. And later that same year, I saw the very first loss in the Smith Center, which they, where the Heels still play, and that was against Maryland when Maryland was still in the ACC. And Lynn Bias, who ended up being the third pick of the Boston Celtics, um, it was still playing for Maryland at the time. The most amazing display of athletic talent I've seen in person. He was by far the best player on Maryland's team, on, any, on either team. And uh, Maryland won that game, scored 70 points and went into overtime. Lynn Bias had 35 of Maryland's 70 points. And at one point, he hit a three-pointer, kept running, stole the inbounds pass, and dunked. So he scored five points in like two seconds. It's a tragedy what happened to him later. He uh, died of a drug overdose three days after the NBA draft when he was about to become rich. Who are the people involved here? All right, the NCAA, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, it's an unincorporated association. And at the time, back in 1988, they had approximately 960 public and private universities and colleges. The NCAA, formed by these different colleges, adopted rules governing recruiting, admissions, academic eligibility, financial aid, stuff like that for the student athletes. Part of what the NCAA does and did and still does is they conduct investigations, have factual determinations, and they can impose penalties upon the colleges and universities if they've been found to violate the rules. But it cannot sanction a member institutions, one of the colleges, employees directly. So in this case, UNLV had been found in violation of several recruiting rules. And that Jerry Tarkanian, who was the coach of the UNLV basketball team and very successful, he was also implicated in some of these infractions that the NCAA had found. But the NCAA couldn't do anything to Tarkanian directly. But what they did was they told UNLV, you are in our association. And if you don't do something else to him, we're going to put extra punishment on you, the university. And that's how this case begins. About the time all this was going on, a picture of three UNLV basketball players were in a hot tub. The picture of three basketball players in a hot tub with a guy named Richard the Fixer Perry. This was in Vegas. It's not never good if you're hanging out with somebody named The Fixer, right? And Perry had been convicted twice for illegal sports betting schemes, including the Boston College basketball games point shaving scandal back in the 70s. So this photo was taken in 89. It didn't become public until 91. All that happened after the Supreme Court case, but you kind of get an idea of what was going on at UNLV at the time. And uh, when that picture came out and that led to some more uh, evidence of interactions with this guy and I think some other shady characters, and that was basically, that was the end for Tarkanian. But before all that became an issue, we've got this case. It was a five to four decision. So again, it's one justice could change it either way, right? The majority opinion ruled against Tarkanian, who had won at the state court level. His case went to the Nevada State Supreme Court, which ruled which upheld the lower court ruling in his favor against UNLV and the NCAA. So the issue before the Supreme Court here is, 
is the NCAA a state actor? UNLV clearly is. That wasn't an issue. UNLV was subject to the 14th Amendment's due process provisions, but was the NCAA, and that was the issue. The Supreme Court said the NCAA was not a state actor, and we'll get into that. So the majority opinion was written by Stevens. Chief Justice Rehnquist joined him, along with Blackman Scalia, and Kennedy. The dissent was written by Justice White and was joined by Brennan, Marshall, and O'Connor. And here's the setup as written by uh, the majority opinion. When he became head basketball coach at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in 1973, Jerry Tarkanian inherited a team with a mediocre 14-14 and record. Four years later, he had the team winning 29 out of 32 games and placed third in the national championship tournament. And a quick aside, that's back when they had a third place game before the national title game. They quit having that because no one cared. No one really kind of wanted to watch it. It was kind of sad, right? No one wants to make it all the way to the final four and then lose their last two games because if you lose your round of four, you're not going to be in the championship game. You're going to come back and play another game because you, and you lost and you know you're there to win the championship. And one of those teams in the third place game, or like they didn't call it the consolation game, not officially, but that's kind of what it was. One of those teams was going to lose two in a row. And so nobody liked that. So they stopped. I agree with that decision. But back to the case. So they came in third in the basketball tournament four years after Jerry Tarkanian took over the mediocre team. But then in September of 1977, UNLV told Tarkanian that it was going to suspend him. It wasn't because they were unhappy with him, who had been described as the winningest active basketball coach. Rather, they were suspending him because, quote, the impetus was a report by the NCAA detailing 38 violations of NCAA rules by UNLV, including 10 specifically relating to Tarkanian. The NCAA had placed UNLV's basketball team on probation for two years and ordered UNLV to show cause why the NCAA should not punish them further unless UNLV fired Tarkanian. They fired him, obviously it's gonna cost him a lot of money. The trial court, which was a Nevada state trial court, found that Tarkanian, as the basketball coach, was paid $125,000 plus 10% of net proceeds received by UNLV for participation in the NCAA authorized tournament, plus fees from basketball camps, clinics, product endorsements, a newspaper column, and a radio program, The Jerry Tarkanian Show. And he was also on television at the same time. And that compensation was entirely contingent on Tarkanian status as the head basketball coach at UNLV. So if he had just been a professor at UNLV at the time, he would have made $53,000 a year. He's making a lot more money than that as the basketball coach. And today, they make even more than that. But of course, the players don't get paid. And I'll mention some of that in a bit. So Tarkanian doesn't want to lose all this money. He wants to keep coaching. He brought suit in the Nevada State Court. And this is where the issues comes in. Here's the legal issues. He said that he had been deprived of those 14th Amendment rights his due process rights in violation of a statute, federal statute, it's 42 U.S. Code 1983. A lot of people, I always think of the year 1983, but no, it's section 1983 of 42 U.S. Code because the government cannot take something from you without due process. Tarkanian won at the state court and got attorney's fees against UNLV and the NCAA. And the U.S. Supreme Court is now discussing that and said the NCAA can only be liable if its participation in the events that led to Tarkanian's demotion, potential demotion and, and potential firing, if the NCAA actions constituted state action. That's quote unquote state action, uh, which is prohibited by the 14th Amendment. And they have this phrase performed under the color of state law. And that's defined in section 1983. So basically is, is the NCAA a state actor when it told UNLV it's going to have to fire him or sub be subject to further penalties? So like we said, the Nevada Supreme Court upheld the trial court's decision 
against UNLV and the NCAA, since it was a state Supreme Court, the next step, if it's going to go anywhere else, is the U.S. Supreme Court. NCAA appealed it to the U.S. Supreme Court, and that's where we got to this 5-4 to four decision, where the NCAA was found to not be a state actor. So the Supreme Court, in a 5-4 to four decision, overturned the Nevada State Court and said the NCAA was not a state actor and Jerry Tarkanian could not sue them under Section 1983. Now, I agree with the dissent here. It's a 5-4 to four decision. I agree with Justice White's dissent. And the dissent says, and Tarkanian argued, that the NCAA and the college, UNLV, were too intertwined to be distinguished when it came to this discipline against Tarkanian. In my view on this, and we've discussed this before with how organizations legally are whatever their members are. Corporations are stockholders, employees, and officers. Those are all people. Those are all individuals. The NCAA is a group of universities and colleges. Most of them are state schools, but all of them take government money, unless it's Hillsdale. If the members of the NCAA, if the components of the NCAA are all state actors, which really isn't in dispute, that part isn't. The majority even agrees that UNLV is a state actor. So if all the members are state actors, how is the organization itself, which is comprised of nothing but state actors, how is it not a state actor? Well, that's what the Supreme Court said. The majority says specifically, quote, in performing their official functions, the executives of UNLV unquestionably act under color of state law, period. Uh, Yes, it's a state university. What they do as state executives is state law, but not the NCAA, which is comprised of these people. And to me, it's like saying, Here's a slice of bread, but let's put it back in the bag with the rest of the loaf. Now, while the individual slices are bread, the whole loaf isn't. It's it's absurd. But you have to be really, really educated to realize, to come to a different conclusion, right? Like activity that's neither interstate nor commerce is able to be regulated by the Interstate Commerce Clause. That's the type of like intellectual education you need to have for, for those things to make sense. Of course, it's all nonsense. The court describes the NCAA. It says its fundamental policies, one of them, is to maintain intercollegiate athletics as an integral part of the educational program and the athlete as an integral part of the student body. And by so doing, retain a clear line of demarcation between college athletics and professional sports. Well, that's a joke. It was a joke when this case was decided back in the 70s, and it's even funnier now. Coaches get multi-million dollar contracts, not just from the universities that hire them, but through these endorsements, through companies voluntarily paying the coach to do endorsements for them or to wear or to have his school wear their sneakers. So the coaches get a lot of money. The TV networks pay billions to televise the basketball tournament. Shoe companies pay millions, etc. Everybody gets paid except the actual labor. But Dave, you say they get a scholarship. Yeah, they do. But their market value is higher than that. And how do we know it's higher than that? Because people are willing to pay them more. That's why they get in trouble. Because paying them, voluntarily paying them, is why UNLV and Jerry Tarkanian got in trouble. They were violating the rules. What were the rules? You can't pay the players. There's nothing more unlibertarian than that concept. If one person wants to pay another person in a voluntary transaction, it doesn't violate anybody's self-ownership. It doesn't violate the non-aggression principle. It's not aggressive against anyone. No one gets physically hurt or has any of their stuff taken away. It's nobody else's business. But that's the entire point of the NCAA is to make it their business and to punish people for voluntary transactions. So just because, yeah, these guys get a free ride to these major universities, that doesn't mean they're getting paid market value. They're clearly not. Libertarians believe in a free market. Would a free market completely change college sports? Yeah, of course it would. And I have no idea what it, would, what it would ultimately look like before it all shook out. And it would take years to find some kind of equilibrium. But so what? That's what happens when restrictions on trade are lifted. The market finds this equilibrium. A lot of universities would probably drop their programs. Seriously, what does major college sports have to do with getting an undergraduate degree in English or chemistry or whatever? It's got nothing to do with it. And reaching that conclusion would be perfectly reasonable 
if some universities were like, you know, we're gonna, we don't really want to be involved in this professional sport. I mean, they are now. They're just pretending they're not. But if they had to face it straight up and without any pretense, a lot of them would probably say, okay, we don't want to do this anymore. Now, Division three teams don't give scholarships. They have student-athletes. They play football, they play basketball, all the different sports. And I called football games, basketball games, occasionally some soccer and field hockey for a Division three school back in Greensboro, North Carolina, Greensboro College. I've seen it. And if those schools wanted to emphasize athletics and move up to Division one and give scholarships, they could. But administration of those schools made a different choice. So would some current big-time sports teams do the same? Probably. Would others continue in some form where they're just paying the players out in front? Some of them probably would, but I have no idea how, how it would look at the end. But we don't have to know. We just have to understand free markets and let them work. Let people engage in voluntary transactions without any penalty. Why would anyone oppose that? Because some people insist on controlling others. And that's what we're talking about with these enforcement provisions of the NCAA. They're designed to do one thing. Thing. Make sure the labor isn't paid. Now, they would say, and their defenders would say, well, they're also there to make sure there's no fake classes, students are actually going to class, getting the grades they earned. But isn't that the university's job? Whether or not there's an NCAA, the NCAA doesn't need to do that. Colleges need to do that. That's the college's job is to do that. If a college is going to give out a bunch of fake degrees, that's going to hurt the college. It's going to hurt the college's reputation. Real and good students, which they want to get, aren't going to go there. And what if the university said, come play football for us, you don't even have to go to class. You'll just get paid. You'll be an employee of the university to play football. Not even necessarily getting paid by the university. But let's say here's some rich alumni who like to go to games and they want to give you some money to come play here. Now, I don't think that would work in the long run. I think people would be turned off by that. People like to believe they're watching college kids play and not athletes that are there just to advance their potential pro career. Why do we care what, let's say, pro teams do? For instance, the Broncos versus Steelers last week. You know, I'm here in Denver and I kind of I follow the Broncos. When they won at the end of the game with Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception to end it, I went, yeah, and gave a little fist pump. I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know these people. You know, very few of them are even from Colorado. The only reason they are here is because they have a job to do. They get paid to do that job. When that job is over, most are going to go back to where they came from, you know, wherever they grew up or whatever. They're going to go somewhere else. Some will even go play for another team after they leave the Broncos. And some of the guys on the Broncos now or whatever your team is used to be on a different team and we rooted against them, but now we root for them. It's like the Jerry Seinfeld routine. It's classic. We root for laundry. Oh, last week this guy was on that team. Boo. Oh, now he's wearing our laundry. Yay. I'm guilty of it. And I don't have the psychological answer. That's why the pro sports make a lot of money, obviously. But if college sports become indistinguishable from pro sports, would the college sports lose out? Probably, but I don't know. But we don't have to know. All we have to know is how markets work and why they're beneficial. And according to the Supreme Court, of the 10 violations committed by Tarkanian, the most serious was the finding that Tarkanian had violated the university's obligation to provide full cooperation with the NCAA. So the most serious finding was not cooperating isn't that like being charged with resisting arrest, but not being charged with anything else to be arrested for? So the NCA did its report, had these findings, told UNLV what it was going to have to do or get in more trouble. In essence, they had to fire Tarkanian or they're going to get in more trouble. The UNLV did its own investigation. They didn't agree with the findings of the NCAA. And the investigation made three recommendations to the president of UNLV. One was to reject the sanction requiring us to disassociate from Coach Starkanian. And if we don't do that, there may be heavier sanctions, like more years of probation, more years of not being on TV. Second option, recognize that the NCAA has this power to act and then firing Tarkanian, in essence. And they point out that he's tenured. The state says, UNLV investigation says, that he would not have adequate notice. And we believe the NCAA was wrong and their finding is against him. Or three, pull out of the NCAA completely, 
on the grounds that we're not going to do what you tell us to do when we find those orders to be unjust. The president of the university accepted the second option, which was to fire him. And he notified the coach that he was to be completely severed of any and all relations, formal or informal, with the university's basketball program. And that's when Tark sued. The day before suspension became effective, Tarkanian filed his action in Nevada State Court for relief against UNLV and a number of its officers because he alleged that these defendants had deprived him of property and liberty without due process guaranteed by the 14th Amendment. Now, in this initial action, he did not include the NCAA. There's some procedural back and forth. He went to trial court. The Nevada Supreme Court said, you know what, the NCAA should have been a party to this and went back to the trial court. He went again with the NCAA now involved with it. And it bounced around for a while. It took a long time for the Supreme Court, to, the U.S. Supreme Court, to finally make a decision. But ultimately, Nevada State Supreme Court ruled in Tark's favor against UNLV and the NCAA. The decision against the NCAA was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, not UNLV. The U.S. Supreme Court talks about what the Nevada Supreme Court did and said, as a predicate for its disposition, the state Supreme Court held that the NCAA had engaged in state action, partly because it regarded the NCAA's regulatory activities as state action, because many NCAA member institutions were either public or government supported. Exactly. The Nevada Supreme Court is right. And the U.S. Supreme Court lays out the starting point in any 14th Amendment decision. Supreme Court says, U.S. Supreme Court, embedded in our 14th Amendment jurisprudence is a dichotomy between state action, which is subject to scrutiny under the amendment's due process clause, and private conduct against which the 14th Amendment affords no shield, no matter how unfair that conduct may be. Now, most libertarians will get this distinction. A private entity can say, you're fired because I don't like what you said. The U.S. government cannot, or the state government, any state actor cannot do that. So it might be completely unfair that you get fired because you said something, but if you have a private job, First Amendment doesn't apply. And let's say if the police take some of your property, okay, that's state action. They've got to give you due process. And there was actually an argument before the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday regarding civil asset forfeiture. So hopefully we'll get that decision. Well, we will get it in the next several months. And then we'll definitely talk about that. But there has to be some kind of process, even if it's limited. The court just has to find it being due process. So if the state takes your property, you've got some argument under the 14th Amendment. But if some private guy just robs you of your property, you've got no 14th Amendment protection, right? Private action versus state action. Now, if a private person takes your car, you've got civil things you can do. You can sue for damages or to get the car back, whatever it is. The U.S. Supreme Court, in the majority decision, lays out Tarkanian's case. He said they say that Tarkanian argues that the NCAA was a state actor because it misused power that it possessed by virtue of state law. Tarkanian claims that UNLV delegated its functions to the NCAA, clothing the association with authority both to adopt rules governing UNLV's athletic programs and to enforce those rules on behalf of UNLV. U.S. Supreme Court says the Nevada Supreme Court held that UNLV had delegated its authority over personnel decisions to the NCAA. The state Supreme Court reasoned that the two entities acted jointly to deprive Tarkanian of liberty and property interests, making the NCAA, as well as UNLV, a state actor. Now, the four-person dissent agrees with that, agrees with the Nevada State Supreme Court, and so do I, but not the five-person majority, and of course, that's what matters. And the majority opinion based its decision on the following. They said, UNLV the state actor, was under no obligation to follow NCAA rules. So the NCAA is not a state actor, according to the majority. UNLV's acts in disciplining Tarkanian were state action, but not the NCAA telling UNLV to discipline him. The majority says, contrary to the premise of the Nevada Supreme Court's opinion, and mine, and the majority, or and the dissent in this case. So the U.S. Supreme Court points out that the NCAA could not directly discipline Tarkanian or any employee. They have to do it through the university itself. Supreme Court summed it all up. In the final analysis, the question is whether the conduct allegedly causing the deprivation of a federal right 
can be fairly attributable to the state. It would be ironic indeed to conclude that the NCAA's imposition of sanctions against UNLV is that the NCAA's conduct is fairly attributable to the state of Nevada. They're saying that would be ironic. It would be more appropriate to conclude that UNLV has conducted its athletic program under color of the policies adopted by the NCAA rather than that those policies were developed and enforced under color of Nevada law. It's kind of, it's a reach. They're making a, a fine legal distinction, which has very little practical distinction. And that's what Justice White said in his dissent. And the Nevada Supreme Court said. And the Nevada Trial Court. So you have all these people ruling in your favor, but five out of nine makes it all moot. They make you lose. And I agree with Justice White's dissent, as I said, and it starts off. All agree that UNLV, a public university, is a state actor. And that the suspension of Jerry Tarkanian, a public employee, was state action. The question here is whether the NCAA acted jointly with UNLV in suspending Tarkanian, and thereby also became a state actor, I would hold that it did. So again, this shows how important those nine justices are when justice changes and Tark wins five to four and not the other way around. But with the college football playoff getting underway in December, college basketball season has just started in the past couple of weeks. They've got their billion dollar March Madness tournament at the end of the year, into the basketball season. It's time to stop punishing people for getting paid. Major college athletes are the last exploited labor in the United States. Pam, get it out on the table, not in the back rooms where people will get in trouble for voluntarily accepting money. Voluntarily accepting money from somebody voluntarily giving it to you should not be punishable in a free society. But that's where we are, and hopefully that will change. I think it's going in that direction. I'm DK Williams, and this has been The Law, Episode 14, NCAA versus Tarkanian, and we're brought to you by the Launchpad Media Network, always launching ideas in your direction. Find us at launchpadmedia.com. Holler at me with your comments. Share this far and wide. I'm on Twitter at Blue Carp and Facebook.com slash Blue Carp. Freedom is dangerous. 